Hello, welcome to the Musics in Japan. A conversational podcast about daily life for an American couple living long term in Japan. So lately I've been thinking about things that surprise me about Japan and the United States. And I think most of them aren't like old traditions in either country, but just like with the advancements of technology and everything, the world has changed a lot in the last 15 years. So they're not things like, whoa, people speak Japanese in Japan. <laughs> No, we talked about that before in the podcast. The first time I came to Japan, I was surprised by the homogeneity. I was surprised by, like, there's so many Japanese people in Japan. Like, it's primarily Japanese people. I think it's like 98.5%, you know, ethnic Japanese. Which... Yeah, and so that doesn't surprise me anymore. But coming from the United States, where in California, it was like you could see the entire globe basically in. The course of a day and then coming to Japan. Like that used to be surprising. It's not surprising now. When I was in school, I noticed that too. There were 300 people in the graduate school that I went to, and of them, two were foreign. Yeah, and they made you take your picture together、yes. when you graduated. <laughs> they were like, here's our two foreigners. Take a picture together because you're foreign. And I noticed that a lot at academic conferences too. I got used to going to math conferences here in Japan, and it would be like, Men, 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 maybe one woman, and a higher foreign proportion than at Nagoya University, but still mostly Japanese people or Japanese and Korean if we were having a joint conference. And then I went to the AMS conference in the US, and it was like 40% women there. It was like, yeah, I had forgotten just how unbalanced academia is here in Japan. So that surprised me to. See the contrast because I just kind of gradually gotten used to it because there's not a lot of split that I see among foreigners, yeah, in terms of gender split. What do you mean? There's <clears throat> not a lot of, I think there are you saying like there's as many foreign women in Japan as there are foreign men? Yeah, I think roughly. I get、yeah. it, I think so too. I think so too. I, I would agree with that. For me, that's not something that's shocking. They look at me bringing it back around. What? what? I was mentioning as something that surprised me. <laughs> so, something that I find surprising are generational differences.、Mm -hmm. And something that I find surprising is that the generational difference expresses itself differently in the United States than it does in Japan. And for me, because I was. So, I'm of the age that when I was in high school, they were still using payphones and pagers were like the new and exciting thing. Like, pagers were the latest iPhone. And I was five years behind you in school, and that was still the case when I was in school. Okay. And then, and using, you weren't old enough for this though, by the time you were in high school,、um, you could use a public phone for 25 cents for a quarter. And when I was in school, one of the hot songs was Here's My Number and a Dime, Call Me Anytime, because you could use a payphone with 10 cents. A, phone, a local phone call was a dime, 10 cents. Okay. The equivalent of, of roughly 10 yen. So when I moved to Japan, when we moved to Japan, public phones were still a big deal, so much so that there's a whole chapter in the Japanese book where I was learning Japanese where it talks about how to use. A payphone in Japan, and you can still see them around. We can see one from our window. Yeah. And I've used it before 
I forget why, but I needed to use that. I think our phone went out, and I needed to call the phone company and find out where our phone went out. Yeah. And it was like $9 or something. Wow. Oh, no, that's why. I was calling internationally, because we hadn't set up international calling yet. Okay. And and it was like $9 to make the connection, and then a dollar a minute. So that is like a huge difference, having to set up international calling. Yes. Versus now on cell phones, you can just call internationally. Yes. You don't have to do anything special to set it up. It's still as expensive, so we don't recommend that you do it. I think, for me, a big change is having international Skype. Yes. And what I find strange about that in particular is that the U.S. has really, I feel like the U.S. has really embraced Zoom. And I think the prior to everything, that all the madness of 2020 and 2021, that people weren't really into Skype or Zoom. I feel like people were more into Skype. I feel like Zoom hadn't really yeah. come up yet. So now I'm surprised at how many... Because WhatsApp was yeah, was the thing that everybody wanted to connect with me on. I don't have a cell phone, so I can't connect by WhatsApp. Well, I put it on my phone, which had like seven gigabytes of free memory. And yeah. a day later, my phone was like, I'm full. Like, yeah. what the heck? And I had to delete it. Yeah, so everyone in my family uses WhatsApp. Yeah. And we're in Japan, so we use Line. Yes. And I'm surprised to see the inroads that Line is making in the United States. That's really surprising to me because it's sort of like Skype and Zoom, where like Skype had decades to like catch up to Zoom and then Zoom just blew them out of the water. And I think the difference between a Skype call and a Zoom call, I really do think it's the putting a highlight around the box of someone who's talking. Yeah, it could be little things like that. It can be institutional adoption because Skype is free for consumers. But since Microsoft bought it, it's like $20 a month per person to use Skype at work. Yeah. And when people would try and use business Skype with me, I told them I'm not on your network. I can't use it. Yeah, it was was blank for a while. I remember it being a huge pain for me, for you, for like everybody who didn't have business Skype. Yeah. And I think that made Zoom more popular, even though Zoom bombing is a problem that doesn't happen in any of the other systems. What's Zoom bombing? Zoom bombing is where you're having a meeting and just a random person comes in. And usually they start like shouting profanities and spamming people and such. Okay. Glad that never happened to me. Yes. That's weird. So I think a lot of things that surprise me are technology-based. Mm-hmm. And the way that technology is used, I think it's like completely different culturally. And then when I look when I look at it, it's culturally different for our generation, but culturally about the same for Rasta's generation. Yeah, the young people here in Japan are like, Why do we still use fax machines? Yeah. So the fax is going by the wayside in Japan, I think. Eventually. Yeah. But part someday. of the reason that it's not is because if you want to do paperless business there are legal requirements yes sir that are super tough to meet like you have to have everything time stamped which means like every email that you send if you want it to be legal costs you a quarter yeah and so it's incredibly expensive to go no paper right now even though the japanese government is like be responsible their idea of responsibility is printing everything out so something else that surprises me about japan are the american companies 
that flop or succeed. Mm-hmm. And the American companies that don't even try, like, I'm wanting, like, Jack in the Box, get it together. <laughs> I know you're, like, a California thing. I don't even think you're, like, nationwide. But come to Japan. The Japanese would, I think the Japanese would love Jack in the Box. I think they would. It's like, go on YouTube and watch, like, um, Japanese McDonald's versus American McDonald's. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, Jack in the Box... Go on YouTube, like whoever makes the decisions. You're saying like bring the the teriyaki jack? Right, bring it here. Japan would eat it, eat it up. Like those bad, cheap egg rolls, Japan would eat it up. Those Mm -hmm. chicken fingers, love everything about it. They would love it, especially those curly fries. Come on now. You have no competition for curly fries, not real curly fries. Well, we have one restaurant here that does only french fries. There's several chains that do only French fries. Yeah, but I'm saying... There's, like, one major chain that's, like, probably as big as McDonald's is On the food delivery service that we use, there's one that the only thing they do is French fries. French fries and shakes. So this is something I find weird about Japan, is Japan's love of shake. Yeah. That's so weird to me. I don't get it. So shake is a, a powder that you put in your food and shake it, and then it's that flavor. Right. And I don't know why that is so strange to me, because for years in the United States, whenever I would get McDonald's, I would put McDonald's salt on the fries, and it has to be McDonald's salt, which is not the same salt in Japan. They changed the recipe. It's not as sweet in Japan. They don't have as much sugar. But And I would shake it, but I just can't get with the shake. Have you ever done it? (laughs) Absolutely. Do you like shake? Yeah, I do. What's your favorite flavor? Because, like, what are the shake flavors? Well, it depends on where you're going. So I don't know what they are at McDonald's right now because I don't really do that for McDonald's. And I haven't... It's been a while. Well, and, like, they do shake chicken, not just at McDonald's. Right. There's a whole restaurant chain that does that specializes in just shake chicken. And the French fry place specializes in just shake fries. That's yeah. It's their shake mix that makes them... So popular. They're so, a fast food restaurant and they just do fries, shake so fries. So pre-COVID, I used to go to the convenience store nearly every day and get breakfast or lunch, which you're aware of. And they had shake chicken at Family Mart. The Famichiki had uh, the shake powder. And there I liked the chili powder. You know, okay. I'm, I'm always a fan yeah, of Yeah, you love anything spicy. Yeah, but they also had like salad powder. Yeah, which, that's weird to me. Which mostly seemed to be like basil and oregano and salt uh-huh because that's salad flavor yes that is salad flavor in japan and if you get salad chips it will taste dead on like basil and parsley and salt yeah what is it basil and parsley right i think it's basil and oregano and salt yeah because they have probably got a healthy dose of parsley just for bulk and I found that out because i like the plain what are those round wafers i eat i can't i'm having brain fog today Sembei. Yeah, I love Simbei, and Simbei is a round cracker that just melts in your mouth. It's Simbei is so good. Y'all, music notes know I love Simbei, but one time I accidentally bought salad flavor Simbei, and it was it tasted green. Yeah, it just it tasted like a salad, and it was (laughs) it was not good for me. I didn't enjoy it, but I love like regular flavor Simbei. So good, so so good. So I don't get the culture of shake. And that it surprises me that, I don't know, in the U.S., if shake is 
is popular or not. But it's weird to me that it's not. Like, the things that are popular, like, re like what's popular in Japan versus what's popular in the United States, is strange to me. Yeah. And I don't understand. So I understand that your palate develops locally based on, on actually, like, family-wise. I think that when you're young, <clears throat> your base palate is created by what you're exposed to at home. But I see in our son that your palate completely evolves. And this is something you didn't trust me on. I've talked about it before, is that Ross is a totally picky, <clears throat> was a totally picky eater as a kid, but now eats a wide array of foods. And it's all very Japanese taste-based. He doesn't enjoy American-style food anymore, except for the corn dog. Like, Yeah, you know, come on. Yeah. Corn dogs are global, and that surprises me. Well, and here they're called American dogs. Yes, they are. <laughs> so I know corn dogs are hella good, but why are corn dogs popular here? I don't understand what makes a food. That's something that shocks me. Like, I could not predict what would be popular, except for Jack in the Box. I'm 100% yeah, yeah. certain about that. Y'all need to that, hit up Nagoya first. I'm not sure, because every once in a while, I'll go and I'll order corn dogs for you or for me or for both of us. And at 7-Eleven, they're just called corn. They're just called American dogs. Yeah. But at Family Mart, they're called big American dogs. <laughs> I feel like every Family time Family Marts are bigger, though. Yeah, they are. They have way more corn on them. And I feel like every time I buy one, they look at me and they think, yep, living up to its name. <laughs> so I was surprised that TGI Fridays is here in Japan. And it is nothing like the TGI Fridays in the United States. Well, it's the States. same with Denny's, where the name has been franchised and yeah. licensed, but it's not the same. So Denny's does not really serve breakfast food here. Like no, if, it does not. If you go at 3 a.m. And I think it's because Japan has so many, <clears throat> sorry, so many specialty breakfast food. Because right. the Japanese pancake is a thing. Yeah. It's small and it's crispier. And I'm not into them, but I'm not really into American pancakes either. But they're small and crispier, and they have a specific... They're almost uniform in their rise. Yeah, well, and there's some places that are different, like Kometa Coffee, which is popular here in Nagoya, has bigger hot cakes. Yeah. And they're way better than Denny's pancakes ever were. So I think if Denny's went up against them head-to-head, -head, like, they'd miss out. Yeah. But when we first arrived, they had more, to more toward the American side on foods, more pancakes and things. We had to take an... In a little intermission, but we're back. So we were talking about pancakes, but in the intermission, something popped into my head that okay. I find really shocking. Is I find Westerners' obsession with Japanese toilets to be odd. Like, I don't get why a bidet is so shocking because, like, a good third of the world has bidet toilets. And so when they're like, oh, Japanese toilets have so many buttons and such. And I know we talked about it before. But I now that I'm used to it and it's the standard, like if I walk into a bathroom, I'm like, and I don't use the bidet. But I'll be like, no bidet? Like, are we not civilized? <laughs> what is going on here? As I really like the seat warmer in the winter. So there's a seat warmer. I wish there was a seat chiller. That would yeah. be nice to sit. On, so Chad doesn't like this, but I would love to sit on an ice cold toilet seat in the summer. I would just love it if there was something that could be like be chill with very low electrical power. 
and small enough that you could like wear it during the summer because we looked at chilling suits because it gets so hot and I respond so poorly to heat and chilling suits are like expensive and take a lot of power and like expensive to run and and heavy heavy bulky like you are making a commitment to keep it on because otherwise you'll overheat yes so for me i like when people say what's the most surprising thing about japan everyone always says the toilets and i feel like if you're going to talk about a surprising japan toilet don't talk about the high-tech ones Talk about the juxtaposition of the bidet toilet, which is like the Rolls Royce Lexus of toilets, where you can heat, you can have different bidet settings to hit different parts of your body, you can have um, change the the strength of the water, the timing yeah. of the water. Like you can depending totally... on your setup, you can tell it to run you a bath. Yeah, you can pimp your toilet seat, and you can pimp your bathtub. Yeah, because we, we have a button in our kitchen that we can push, and it'll run a bath for us. Yeah, that talk about that, and then the other side of it, where it's a squat toilet. Yeah. And it's literally just a porcelain-lined ditch that you squat over to do your business in the men's and the women's. Yes. So there are places that have only squat toilets, and even, like, the really nice high-end places will have one squat toilet. Mm-hmm. And for me, it gets trippier. There'll be signs in the bathroom instructing people <laughs> not to squat on the regular toilets. Yeah, don't put your feet on the rims of the regular toilet. Yes, because there are elderly people in Japan that, have, that come from the countryside that have never seen a Western toilet. That have only ever used squat toilets. Yeah. And I met someone that had only ever used a squat toilet. And they were like, it's really disgusting. The other toilets are just disgusting to them. Mm-hmm. Like, why would you want to sit where someone else is? Like, they made like a really good argument for it. Why would you want to sit where someone else sits? And what if, and the splash from like, because the bidet can sometimes cause splashing. It was like a whole thing. I'm not going to yeah. get into yeah. it. Thank you. Chad doesn't like me to get into it. I would so get into it if, like, Chad wasn't so, like, ill. Don't yeah, get into it. Yeah. I like to be funny, and I don't really have any toilet humor. So. <laughs> you don't. You really don't. That's another thing that's surprising is the difference in what's humorous. Yeah, I'm funny in Japanese. Oh, my gosh. That was just so desperate, and please take my side on the funny issues. You see how I'm looking at you in a pleading manner. Like, you are. Please, That's what makes it desperate. Tell the audience I'm funny in Japanese. Now, in, in Japan, like, rhyming isn't considered clever. It's not considered clever in the United States either. But it's not even considered wordplay because everything rhymes? Yeah, it does. So, but, like, even in the children's books, there's no rhyming. Right. But and there's pun, no rhyming poetry. Yeah. Because everything ends yeah. in des or ka. Well, everything ends in either one of the five vowels. Yeah, or the or U the, sound. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So that's why, like, there are so many Japanese homophones. Yeah. Which we talked about before. But what surprised me is about the sense of humor is just the utter lack of understanding of sarcasm. Yeah, that's interesting to me. There is no sarcasm in Japan. Like, people just generally aren't sarcastic. 
Yeah, which anime to- anime lied to me. I feel like anime had people occasionally being sarcastic, and now I think, was that a good translation? Yeah, so I don't think that... I wish that anime lovers who are going to say that anime is Japanese culture, I feel like they don't understand the distance between the original anime and the translation of the anime. And that's surprising to me. The fact that people do not understand that Japanese does not translate verbatim. That's really shocking to me. And that surprises me about America because I think at least the Americans I know know that America is unique and America has, there is like, I don't like when people say America doesn't have any culture. I feel like that's just not right and they're completely wrong. And there are regional differences. It's like there are regional differences in every country. Yeah. So for me, I understand that America is unique and I love a lot about American culture. I love our openness to trying new things, our adventurous nature and all of those types of things. And it's surprising to me that Americans don't, a lot of Americans, not every American, don't give that to other countries Mm -hmm. and don't give that to other languages. And they presume that like every that every language is based on Latin, right? And J- Japanese is not a Latin based language, and so it doesn't have that that correlation. So you can't do any direct translations. I feel, but even when you do like the Latin based languages, like Spanish does not translate one for one, and it really like cabron. That word has several meanings based on where you're saying it, who you're saying it to, and even like the way I just pronounced it is a regional pronunciation of it. Even with in English itself, I was talking to somebody and I said I was quite happy and they were like, oh, what's wrong? I'm like, yeah. what do you mean? I'm quite happy. Like, right, you're not happy. Why aren't you happy? Because you put the quite there. Right. And in the UK, that means the opposite of what it means in, in the US. Yeah. So I do feel like there's a lot of you know, variation in language that can be surprising. And anime is an intentional export from Japan. It is. It's like an intentional cultural export. They sit down and they say, how can we make other countries buy anime? Yeah. As something that we export, just like the Wagyu or the Kobe beef. Yeah. Are intentional exports. People eat them here in Japan, but far more of it is exported than is eaten here in Japan. So that, that fucks me up about Japanese culture. It really fucks me up. They want to be appropriated. Yeah. And so it messes me up when I see it and I have to remind myself, this is an intention of the Japanese people and the Japanese nation. So the Japanese do a lot of cultural appropriations. Like the lowrider culture in Japan is really hard for me to not be offended by it. Mm-hmm. It's so hard for me. But they have like, they it, they're doing the cultural appropriation. They view it as appreciation. But the way that they do it as a costume, it's appropriation. And the Japanese just do not understand that at all. And it blows my mind. And then... Yeah, it's like, it, is it a secret? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not a secret. Then how could we steal it? Yeah, like you should go and if you if you're not aware of like the Chicano cultural appropriation in Japan, you should watch videos on it. It is a trip. It is a trip because they get the cholo vibe down and they have like cruising parties and everything. And so I grew up being a chola and so for me and I was like 
y'all know, if you listen to the podcast, y'all know I used to be in a gang. I have my loca dot and all of that, my loca dot tattoos still and all of that. So for me, it's a trip seeing them appropriate a culture that I was intimately involved in and a part of, even though I'm black, like they accepted me in and such. And I was like, okay, I know this culture and I know what these things mean. And they even appropriated like the different gangs and such. Mm -hmm. And then they threw, they mix in a little bit of like, because the only gangs they know are the Crips and the Bloods. They don't know any of the Latin gangs. So they mixed, they overlaid like Crips and Bloods over Chicano gang culture. And then there's, so for me, that is where it gets bumpy. Like Chicano culture is not gang based. Right. And it's specific for me, Chicano culture that I grew up knowing is so different than the Chicano culture that I see them representing. And I have an appreciation of where Chicano gangs end and start and Chicano culture ends and starts. And there, there is some overlap just like where black culture ends and starts and where black gang culture ends and starts. Mm -hmm. Those aren't the same things, but the Japanese don't make that distinction and they don't see anything wrong with it. And even if you explain it to them, they can tell you exactly what scene and what movie that they're doing like poetic justice for some of them is just the janet jackson movie yes it's just their rhyme and they have their box braid wigs and they have like they can quote the movie and everything and so they take movies and they take uh, popular culture and they just embrace that yeah and lean into it and they don't speak anything but japanese except for these phrases that they've taken from movies and so they have Spanish phrases that they've taken and they have um, phrases from black culture that they've taken. And it's it's a trip. To see the mashup is a trip. And I'm like, okay, that's not Chicano culture. And I feel like it's very much age-based. Like Poetic Justice was what Janet Jackson and Tupac, if I remember yeah. right. And I think that's a particular age band of people who just- Right? <laughs> So it's super dated. It is like 90s. It's very much 90s culture. Yeah. And I think people in their 80s here, which there's a large number of people in their 80s, about 10 years ago, it was their 70s. I was sitting at the train station waiting and this drunk Japanese guy comes up and starts telling me like how much he hates Americans, how awful we were for dropping the bomb and everything like sitting yeah. down just like yelling this at me like I'm his pal and we should go out to drink and I'm like no I'm just gonna get on my train as soon as it arrives yeah but I found that above about 80 now has a lot of culture about the war even though they were born at the end of World War Two. yeah but there's still repercussions there's still I understand there's still repercussions. yeah the land where is still affected and all of that but I think every Every generation, like every decade, and in Japan, they, they do call them by decades, like the 50s and the 40s, like by yeah. your age, has its own distinct kind of subculture. Yeah. And the youngest subculture is very international 
a lot of them do not speak English, but they know how to use Google Translate well enough to participate in English stuff online, and they eventually learn English that way. Guys my age in their 40s are very much like, you work for a non-Japanese company, but you need to work for a company. Like, I do work for a company. Yeah. No, but <laughs> you don't really work for a company. I'm like, I do. I find what I struggle with is I find it interesting how much the United States is evolving in mm-hmm. terms of their identity politics. And yep. I find that identity politics has a dirty name. That's like a dirty word to say it's identity politics. And I feel like, but identity is inherently political. Right. But my view is like when any two people are in a room, it's political. Yeah. Like there are politics and policy that's in place. And so when people, I guess identity acceptance, identity diversity, whatever people want to call it, I find it really interesting that the United States is simultaneously leading the world in demanding identity equality and also being the worst at it. Yeah. It said so that juxtaposition is so weird to me because everybody is so vocal and so able to express all of their thoughts all of the time about anything. And it's so culturally accepted and people are so quick to say, I'm being silenced. I'm being canceled and all of that, but they still go on and yep. they still like, you know, they've been listening by 10 million people. Yeah. they complain about being canceled. Right? So that's interesting to me. And cancel culture in Japan, like, if you get canceled in Japan, you are seriously canceled. Like, everybody in the United States was really shocked when the member of AKB48 had to shave her head in penance. But that's the price that she pays for fame. But if you look at, like... And specifically to stay in the idols group. Yeah. Because a lot of the idols girls go to gravure or like soft porn after. Yes. And that's considered a totally acceptable career path. And there are, you know, people in parliament who have that background. Yeah. Just like in Italy. They were like, a porn star was elected to parliament in Italy. Yeah. Tutelina. Yeah. It's not unusual here. She had great policy. Yeah. In the one in Italy. And I don't know the politics of the ones here in Japan. I don't know. But I know that it's not unusual because, like, it's legal to work in that industry. And so people are like, if it's legal, why would we care? Yeah. Whereas if you're working in a in a bad industry, it can be really hard to get out of it. Yeah. And I find it interesting that when, and, and this happens a lot on Twitter, people will tell me, you shouldn't tweet that. Like, it'll affect your ability to get a job. And I'm like, no, it won't. It would affect, and these are usually academics. So academia is really hard to get into in Japan, just like it is everywhere. And I find it shocking that people in academia think that their their rules apply to to everyone. I think that's weird. I think in it's weird that in the United States people wouldn't try to censor me as much. And I think that the United States is more sensitive. This isn't shocking to me, but um, in terms of talking about the United States, the fundamental right to say whatever you want to say, anytime someone says you can't say it, Americans become very upset. 
And I'm very American in that way. I don't like being told what I can and cannot say. I can appreciate you saying, I'm going to not follow you and I'm not going to communicate with you because I don't like what you're saying. Right. But I don't like to be censored at all. But here in Japan, we've talked about before, the censorship is real. And people will tell me, you share too much. You're on team too much. And I feel like, like, because I tweet very openly about my health. I tweet when I'm in the hospital. And they're like, no, being chronically ill needs to be a secret or you'll never be hired. And that's not true. (laughs) That's things that they've been taught about Japan that's not true. And how much people don't know their rights in both countries is surprising to me. Like in the United States, a lot of people don't actually know what their legal rights are, what's illegal and what's legal um across the board and in japan it's the same thing a lot of people don't know what's legal and what's not legal and that's always shocked me because i'm always quick to find out like what what does the law say i think it's also (laughs) what's enforceable and what's not enforceable yeah like technically here in japan it's illegal to discriminate based on nationality but in practice there's still like no foreigners allowed yeah and in practice if you go to a real estate company and they've got 400 listings as soon as they see you like 300 of those listings are gone. They're like, yeah. no, we can't rent to these to foreigners. We're in the process of moving Rasta. You're banned from talking about anything until afterwards because we're going to do a whole episode on okay. it. You know that. I know that. And it's not what you've been thinking about lately. <laughs> okay, good point. So for real, y'all know I'm always telling Chad, don't talk about that. That's coming up. So how we do the podcast i've told y'all before is i make a list and every time before we start recording i tell chad what the topic's gonna be we don't do any research or planning and so chad sometimes wants to pop off and just talk about whatever's on chad's mind sometimes yeah and that's not how it rolls but what surprises me is how different the rules are based on your status in life yeah, and on this podcast, the yeah. status is, it's whatever Christopher's been thinking about lately. No, I get that. But a lot of the stuff that you say, that you're like, it, it won't hurt my ability to get work to say it. You're absolutely correct. No, you're not bringing us back around because I want to talk about this now because I'm thinking about it. So you I'm the boss of the podcast. Okay. I'm the boss of the podcast. You are the boss of the podcast. The reason, And so don't feel sorry for Chad. Don't do it. I don't feel a lot of you. Argentina. <laughs> Or any of our music knows. It's because I have to think up the topics. And I have to set the time to record. Yeah. And so because I have to do those two things, I'm in charge of the podcast. I'm That's the right. The I podcast. just show up with the voice. You do. You show up with all that beautiful sexiness and that beautiful voice of yours, which you know I absolutely love the sound of. And the music notes know that I used to like call up your phone just to listen to you. And then you told me, don't call and hang up. Leave a message. And so I would say, I'm just listening to your voice and hang up. Yes. And then I could call and listen to my messages over and over. <laughs> we love each other. <laughs> we enjoy each other. Now, I wonder in the United States, and this is something I don't know, would because pe- I see people telling other people to not clap back and worry about their public image, but that's only for public figures. I wonder if... Because a lot of our friends have fake names yeah. on that they use on Twitter because they don't want their company to find out. And I don't know if that's paranoia or fact. That's fact. So, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I, I know too many people who have worked in the, like, reference checking. But do you think for disability? Yes. 
Okay, that's shocking. I didn't know anything about that. Tell me about it. Companies will look to see if there's anything negative, and being disabled is definitely considered a negative. And if yeah. they can deny you employment before they have to do accommodation, then they will if they can do it in a way that's deniable. Because you can't prove they went on your social media and denied you because you're disabled. So I know that companies globally around the world check social media. And I do advise clients to have clean social media. And I guess I'm very lucky because at the end of the day, I'm always my own employer. Yeah, that's right. And so I, for me, a lot of my ignorance will come from, so I guess I would, I guess I shouldn't be surprising because I think about what do I do? What do I say to my clients? And this is exactly what I was saying about it's your position in life. You and I yeah. are in positions in life where we can be open about who we are under yeah. our real names. But you are you work for a company. I do. And one of the things that on Twitter in particular is I chose to be open about being disabled because I didn't want to work for a company that would be shocked by it. In the interview, I said it. In the interview, I was like, look, I have autism and epilepsy and arthritis. I'm like not going to be able to do these things. And they're like, we don't care. We've seen what you can do. You're really good. We don't care about that. Yeah. I think companies get the idea that it's always going to be super expensive to accommodate any disability. And that's not the case. Like, my company accommodates mine. And what it is is sometimes I'm going to tell you that I can't work for the rest of the day. Because I had a seizure. Or you know, sometimes I'm going to need an hour in the middle of the day to take a nap. It doesn't really cost the company any money. It's occasionally slightly inconvenient, but the attitude is I'm a person just like everybody else. What I find interesting about that is because I'm my own employer, I have to look at what do I advise my clients versus what do I say. Right. Because I've I've switched over my business, my therapy practice to accommodate me, and I'm currently in the process of switching it over. But I'm just doing, I've always done um, coaching and professional coaching. So if I look at what I tell my therapy clients and my coaching clients, and the difference between career coaching and doing therapy is just the focus. One's work focused, one's personal focus. There's a lot of overlap. Um, Executive coaching is really different than... They're all slightly different and slightly the same. Well, having had it, not from you, I'll say that was just like more a sounding board than anything else. And I I think you do. You've had it from me and you've had it in the style I do it. And it's not a sounding board when I do it. No, but your your secret sauce is better. Thank you. My secret sauce is me. Yes. And real talk. And I'm well read. And I'm an expert. So all of those things. There's all that. So my point in bringing that up is I think we're super privileged. Yes. And I think we're a little bit out of touch. Absolutely. Because and that in, shocks me right now as I'm standing until, in my privilege. I'm okay, shocked by until it. Until 2016, I didn't say I was disabled publicly because yeah. it was still legal to fire people for being disabled. Like I was a regular employee. It was basically impossible to fire me. Unless you're disabled. Unless I'm disabled. And then yeah. it was like, no problem. Yeah, and we talked about that yeah. before on the, on the cast. So something that's currently surprising me in the United States is Hollywood because I watch a lot of TV because hello, I'm in the hospital a lot. So I binge watch a lot of things and I'm surprised at the gap. There's a year gap in TV show seasons. Mm, Yeah. 
and there's a year gap in things that were launched, things were pushed back because Hollywood actually shut down during during all of the wildness that was 2019. Well, and there's still shutdowns going on. I saw a thing that Picard has shut down filming because 50 of the people who work on the show had COVID. Mm. And they were like, don't worry, Patrick Stewart doesn't have COVID. It's just <laughs> 50 peons. Well, I think, too, that that has to do with, like, masking. And I think yeah. because the extras don't mask. Mm-hmm. Not there's that, but we don't talk about masking because this is not we're not doing anything heavy. No. Something I find shocking is how people view puzzling. Because yeah. we do jigsaw puzzles. And how do you think people here view it? Because we we sometimes order online and sometimes go to the dedicated jigsaw puzzle shop that is a couple blocks away. Yeah. So people, it's flossy. Yeah. It's hella flossy to puzzle. And I'm like, it's not that expensive. <laughs> it's like if we go to the dedicated puzzle shop, it's super expensive. Yeah. It's, and so we only go there if there's like a specific puzzle I want to do that we can't find. Mm-hmm. And we'll go to check it out. Or if we're on a date and we'll buy like one puzzle from them because they're, they're really expensive. Yeah. But it's a really nice, they're located in Osmall in Nagoya. If you live in Nagoya and you haven't been to Osmall, you have to go. It's near uh ozone station check it out it's worth it's a really cute date date place to go and you can if you go early you can get a fruit sandwich and it's shocking that fruit sandwiches aren't more popular in the united states because you cannot beat a banana sandwich and you can get that at specialty restaurants here at convenience stores at the grocery store yeah so i like my fruit this is really blasphemous but i like my fruit sandwiches plain I like just, yeah, bread, just bread and fruit, fruit. and so good. Yeah. So we can, sometimes we get up early and we go over to Osmo so I can get a fruit sandwich. Even though I can make them, I like going to the place and then we'll go pick out a puzzle. But anyone I tell in Japan that we puzzle, like, oh my gosh, your house must be huge. Like, no. And they're like, you must know. They're like, no, you can't fool me. Because if you can dedicate a table to a puzzle, mm-hmm. to a thousand piece puzzle, because like, like, what size? And then like, we do a thousand piece, and they're like, oh my god! <laughs> your house must be huge! And I'm like, we do them on our kitchen table. How big is your kitchen table? Big enough for a thousand piece puzzle and to still hold our mail? Yeah, probably. <laughs> I don't know how to describe. I'm so bad with measurements. Yeah, yeah maybe big enough for a two thousand, but definitely not big enough for Anything I, don't, I can't commit to 2,000 pieces. I feel like you're trying to up our puzzle no, piece count. No, 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 I'm not trying to. For a while you were. For a while I was. And, and you're like, we could clear off a space and do them on the floor. Yeah. I'm like, how does that sound appealing to you? I'm like, babe, we've saved up enough. We can afford this 32,000 piece puzzle. It's the biggest in the world. And you're like, no. No, we can't. No, never. Uh-uh. You'd be tripping. You'd be illing. <laughs> Wiling. No. Not gonna happen. When I tell people in the U.S. that we puzzle, like, oh, that's cute. What kind of puzzles do you do? Yeah. It's like nothing. And I'm like, we do tenyo. And still just flat line. But if I tell people in Japan we do tenyo, tenyo, you know tenyo? And I'm like, no, I don't. I love that phrase in Japanese. say, you know, because you know is the same as you know about. Yeah. You know tenyo? And I'm like, yeah, we love tenyo. They make some of the best puzzles. They should totally sponsor us. If you work for Tenyo, let us know and we will hook you up on the sponsor because we love, love, love your love your puzzles. Yes, we do. They're plastic and they're awesome. They snap together tight. 
And I love that they can be recycled. They can go in recyclable. Yeah. And that's really important to me, recycling our puzzles. Some of them we have framed because they're really actually beautiful pieces of art. Mm -hmm. And I find it interesting that in Japan, it's shocking to me that in Japan, they understand that it's a fine piece of art. So I thought everybody would have the bias that it's not. But they sell frames and glue. And you can get this in the United States as well. Right. And I like the Tenyo puzzles because you can actually pick them up. And they lock in a place and they won't fall apart. But you can get frames at the grocery store here. Yeah. Puzzle frames. Because they know. They do know. Check out your puzzle. Check out puzzles. Jigsaw puzzling. Because the reason we started puzzling is um, to help me with my pots. Because my blood pressure will just randomly shoot up to a hypertension crisis. And I usually have, like, when it's not flared up, I'll have normal blood pressure. So I don't, I'm not on any medication, and none of the medications work, and they're all contraindicated for me. But doing a puzzle lowers my blood pressure. Like, if I'm in crisis, I go and I puzzle for a little bit, and I deal with the, deal with the spinning and all of that, and it lowers my blood pressure. It gets me out of crisis. It is quite astonishing to see it. Because we have a spake manometer. Yeah. You take it before and it'd be like, whoa. And you take it after and it'd be like, huh. You were surprised. I was. You accused me of, of saying, because if Chad touches me, it elevates my blood pressure. So Chad doesn't. Good touches. I'm not doing bad touches. Yeah. If Chad just, just put, like, just touches my shoulder, then my blood pressure will go up. And I've shown this, Chad. And so if I'm having a. Uh, blood pressure if i'm in hyper if i'm having a hypertension crisis i'll just check it over and over again and chat's like that feels very pointed <laughs> and i'm like i'm not saying you talking to me is raising my blood pressure i feel like it's stuff and i'm like we're puzzling i'm in a hypertension crisis i yeah. have to monitor it because you have to monitor it every five minutes so you take it and then do it again every five mm. minutes so it's shocking to me that chat's not used to that yeah and so end on that shocking note <laughs> So looking at, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate every single, the clicky here is, I don't know why I do stuff right next to my mic, but I do. Be a patron. That was your reading glasses opening up. Yeah. So I'm spacey today, but I do know I'm looking up what our take two is. Oh, why Chad doesn't read our author's books. Yeah. What's up with that? Why Chad doesn't read our author's books. We'll talk about that. Right? Follow us on over to the Patreon and you can find out the answer. Because now we're doing cliffhangers. Yes, we want you to become a patron. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. And you can hit us up on Twitter and tell us what surprised you or leave a comment about what surprises you about America or Japan. We love the interaction. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. You can keep the conversation going on our website at themusicsinjapan.com. That's the music spelled M-U-S-I-C-K-S. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Facebook. We're at The Musics on both. And if you'd like to support us, please visit our website to sign up for our newsletter, join a Patreon tier, or send us a one-time donation through PayPal or Ko-fi. We hope you'll listen again next week. Bye.